Hello, welcome to The Ripple, a podcast diving into closure programs and libraries. This week, I'm talking about matrices and high-performance computation with Dragon Jurek, the creator of Neanderthal. Welcome to the show, Dragon. Oh, thank you for calling me, and uh, hi. Hey, yeah, it's good to have you on. So would you be able to tell us, firstly, a little bit about sort of your background and what you were doing before you came to Clojure? I think most people know you through Neanderthal. That would be sort of one of your most well-known projects, which is a sort of high-performance matrix library, perhaps you call it, but you've been around for a little while longer than that. So yeah, could you kind of lead us into you know, what was your background and how did you get here? Thank you. So I'm coming from Serbia. It's a small country in southeastern Europe, just north of Greece. And I'm teaching software engineering at University of Belgrade. So before Clojure, my main uh, programming platform was Java, which is kind of uh, major here. And like everyone else, uh, I discovered Clojure when Rich Hickey started talking about it. So maybe, I think these days is something like 10th anniversary. So I think I picked up closure maybe in April 2009 or, or oh, wow. a bit earlier or something like that. So here, open source movement uh, was not that uh, visible before because uh, the country was under trade sanctions and there were war in the 90s. So most people used pirated software because <laughs> uh, you couldn't buy uh, legal software even if you had money. So not many people concentrated on open source as a free alternative to Microsoft Windows or, or, or whatever tools were invoked there. And I think my, my first language was Pascal. And I learned uh, programming on pen and paper because I didn't have a computer. So wow. pen and paper was uh, like the thing in the 90s. Nice. And so how did you get from you know, writing on pencil and paper to doing closure? What Was there any other steps in between there? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the next step was uh, like Delphi and uh, usual uh, desktop programming at university and uh, later Java. And one step led to the to another, and uh, Rich Hickey published Closure, and uh, I uh, immediately like recognized that this is something that I needed for years because <laughs> I've I've been uh, doing or, or trying to do lots of uh, meta programming on Java platform, and it, it was a really difficult experience. Yeah, you had to switch over, bend over backwards to do anything uh, dynamical on, on Java before Closure. So when I saw Clojure, it was like, yeah, this is it. So I just switched it to it uh, in a matter of days and left Java behind. Great. And then can you sort of give us the background on Neanderthal and why did you create this? You know, it seems like you know it wasn't a trivial kind of project. There was a lot of engineering that seemed to go into it from my perspective. So why did you make that? Well, as the story usually goes, one step led to another, and uh, <laughs> uh, actually, I I was interested in uh, machine learning and uh, some Bayesian computation and uh, Bayesian reasoning. And when you look at software engineering side of it, most software is not really great in, in that area, or or at least at the time was barely usable. So I've tried doing something in Closure, but although conceptually Closure offered and still offers a nice uh, environment for even those things. Uh, Performance-wise, it was not really great or not usable at all in 
Bayesian domain. So I've tried um, to do it in, in Java, then Java wasn't fast enough. And uh, then I picked up uh, GPU programming and uh, I did a lot of stuff on GPU in Java and uh, Clojure. And uh, naturally, the thing is that this stuff is uh, tightly connected to vectors and matrices. So I started integrating uh, vectors and matrices into it. And then I realized that it's... Uh, really useful for for a wider machine learning and high performance computing use cases not only to mine so i just uh, like extracted those parts into a separate library and then uh, decided to make it more complete so actually the thing is that there are more libraries that i develop but uh, neanderthal is like maybe the easiest to pick up as a beginner because you don't have to think about how it's implemented you just use vectors and matrices and linear algebra from the high level perspective so maybe neanderthal is uh, is something that you would pick up first but uh, actually there are closure cuda closure cl that are complementary and so yeah, that's why Neanderthal is just something that is useful to me and I hope it will be useful to a lot more people in closure community and beyond. Yeah, well I think yeah, it has quite a, a nice value proposition. So yeah, being able to target CPU and GPU and being able to leverage all of the work that people have done. Mm, yeah, yeah. The thing is that uh, matrix uh, algorithms are really central to lots of machine learning algorithms so when you open the book on machine learning it is a high uh, likelihood that you will find a formula describing matrix operation or how to implement some algorithm with matrix operations so, so idea is that you then can easily translate this to neanderthal functions but of course some things are uh, not that general or couldn't be implemented in that way but a large portion can. So the idea is really to combine these generic stuff with uh, maybe some algorithms that you would have to write uh, by hand with closure CUDA in CUDA or with closure C on, on OpenCL. Yeah, and it uses the BLAS and LAPEC libraries, uh, which... Yeah. yeah, these are standards, some, some APIs. Libraries implement these standards. So yeah, uh, it's designed to be compatible with the way of uh, thinking in BLAST and LAPEC because it's it's been developed for 40 years or, or something like that. And uh, really these uh, APIs are well-balanced and crafted. So the idea in Neanderthal is to automatize lots of these things so you don't have to program uh, on low level. You just get really, really high level of API to work with. Yeah. Much easier than Blast or Lapin. <laughs> so maybe we can talk a little bit about deep learning then. So for the last um, three months or so, um, although not this most recent months, but you have been working on a series of articles about deep learning and closure from scratch. So do you want to talk a little bit about, about those articles, what you were trying to accomplish with them? Mm -hmm. One thing when you are thinking probably when you uh, release some software library is like, okay, lots of people have this problem and uh, I'll just release software and then people will pick it up and uh, start using it, which might be the case in some domains. But uh, one notorious thing uh, with programmers is that lots of them don't have much experience with maths. Or mm. Basically, we forget even when we learn it at university, we forget lots of it. So we think oh, we don't need math. 
but with machine learning and deep learning maths is really important to understand what you're doing or what you're trying to achieve just relying on basic logic and just uh, using logical thinking and creativity is not enough you will get really slow or really complicated solutions so i realized that when i uh, i follow what people do with neanderthal when i can and uh, i've noticed that lots of people are thinking okay i will use this powerful fast library and suddenly my code or my programs will be fast but uh, most people just use like 5% of functionality and uh, they use it uh, in a way like a poor man's sequences or vectors or lists instead of the point with matrices and vectors and tensors is that you use the operations working on these structures as whole not uh, just extracting single elements and doing your calculations by hand with loops or whatever else so i realized that uh, it is much more difficult for most programmers uh, who program in closure or java to learn to think with these uh, linear algebra constructs so i realized that uh, lots of material would have to be provided for them to, to have uh, the opportunity to learn this uh, in small bites. And I've started uh, writing uh, some articles about linear algebra and uh, GPU computing, and people read them and, and it, it was uh, useful. But then the problem with such articles or, or maybe challenge is that uh, you have to really need to learn this, to uh, take time to read this and try it, they're not, not that attractive. So I, then I got to idea, okay, most people heard about deep learning. I know something about it. I could write something about it and uh, just connect these two things. So people would love to learn about deep learning. And I will do it in such a way that they could learn deep learning and linear algebra and this way of uh, high-performance <laughs> co- uh, programming in uh, one series of uh, like tutorials. So the idea is, for one, to teach them about deep learning from ground up. Two, to teach them how they could uh, leverage linear algebra to program their own custom algorithms. And three, of course, to teach them how to use my libraries and closure. Great. Yeah, that's a sneaky way to, to teach linear algebra. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about like the, when you say from scratch, what's the scratch part? Well, here is how I would put it. Let's say you're a programmer and you would like to learn about deep learning. So you shop around, you go to Amazon or whatever is your source of learning materials, and you you buy the most popular book, which is Deep Learning by Goodfellow and Benjo. And uh, this is one of few books in this area that is actually not only a research material, but something that you can learn from. <laughs> so you bought this wonderful book. Everyone is raving about how it's good. And you open it and it's full of math formulas. There is not single line of code in it. And it's a practical book as far as deep learning books go or machine learning books go. <laughs> this is this likes the most practical one of all. So you open it and it's good. Like the text explains things uh, quite well, but there are math formulas. Most of these formulas are like, okay, here is this vector if we take that the input is a vector then here is how we compute this and that you see integrals and matrices 
and uh, matrix multiplication or whatever, or matrix factorizations or so. So my idea is from scratch means whatever you see in that book, you can directly program by yourself from these constructs. So it's not from scratch. I mean, you're not using uh, like uh, electromagnetic uh, <laughs> uh, hands to switch uh, the polarization on your hardware. But from scratch, meaning uh, from uh, linear algebra operations, let's say. Great. Yeah. And so what do you cover in these articles? How far through? Like what's the end result that someone can end up with? Mm -hmm. Two ways to look at it. One way is purely learning. So you get a fully connected neural networks layer. You get inference on them. You get optimized backpropagation on them. You get some optimizations of backpropagation, such as momentum and weight decay. This is the stuff that the book covers. So basically, you get the usual curriculum from these kinds of good books on deep learning. You can program it on yourself and, and really understand how it works. The biggest point is understanding. Once you code it, usually you can understand how it works. So it's not only someone explaining you how it works. I'm showing you how it works and I'm giving you step-by-step instruction how to do it yourself. So that's one, one uh, way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that even in like these uh, most popular deep learning frameworks, you always use uh, fully connected layers. This is like the basic architectural building block. There are other specialized building blocks such as convolutional layers. These are just optimizations on fully connected layers. So uh, in these blog posts, I didn't cover these. But when you understand this and can implement this uh, stuff that I described, you will be able to understand convolutional writing source software with convolutional networks. But this is another point because I'm writing a book that I will cover uh, even more stuff there, convolutional networks and reinforcement learning and such stuff, recurrent networks. Great. So those articles, there was quite a lot of material there. So how many pages or words or... You know, how would you measure the size of them? When I printed it out in uh, Firefox, I just went to the blog post and says, said print. Uh, it amounted to 202 pages of default settings. So I guess when I eliminate introductions and conclusions and maybe uh, optimize a bit how it's formatted, I would say at least 150 pages solid 150 pages are there wow. so it's not much but it's not a small number so i think it's all right for what i set out to do yeah no that's incredible and so this work was sponsored by closures together we were really happy to be able to sponsor closures together which is an organization i help run was really happy to be able to sponsor sponsor you to work on this so there was a few sponsors in particular we wanted to mention uh, one was Pitch. Uh, Pitch is building a presentation software for individuals and teams. Juxt is a consulting company that delivers software applications and platforms using Clojure. Matosin is the first Finnish software house specializing in Clojure. Adgoji is a media agency. They have built their real-time bidding platform using Clojure. And Funding Circle connects small businesses who want to borrow with investors who want to lend in the UK, US, Germany, and the Netherlands. They use Clojure to build their platform. 
So all of these members, plus uh, everyone else who was a member, when I you know, say thanks to you, you helped create these 150 pages of great informational content for everyone to be able to read and learn. And thanks to you, Dragon, for, for doing the work. Yeah, I know running takes a lot of time, so I can't even imagine <laughs> how much time it took to write all of those posts. Well, uh, it was a pleasure to write these. So, And uh, the good thing is that uh, although I uh, maybe didn't plan to write books uh, because writing books is really a lot of uh, effort and lots of time, well, one thing led to another, so now I'm writing a series of books. So <laughs> Great. A series of books, you say? A series, yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, so tell us a bit about this book then. Okay, so the idea is that I've noticed that, let's say that uh, there are two kinds of books related to machine learning and, uh, and artificial intelligence and deep learning. So there are like uh, pure theory books books uh, that are mostly targeted to researchers, the other peers at universities. So the authors uh, would uh, like stuff lots of math and theory there, and they would try to show off how knowledgeable they are. And these books are not really useful for implementation of these methods. So if you're a programmer, these books are really hard to approach. And also there is another kind of books uh, that is available on the market is books written for end users. So, for example, if you are a social scientist or a marketing researcher or a person who needs to do some optimization of some production process or whatever. So you're not a programmer, you're not a technical person necessarily, but you need to apply these methods. There are books that teach you how to do it in a practical way. Not all of them are great, but certainly there are a large uh, number of books that could be used to some extent. And if they use software, they only show you how to approach the interface and don't explain you how this software works or how to integrate it into whole infrastructure. So if you're a programmer, one of the largest problems is that either the books are, are too theoretical or they are too user-oriented. So you struggle. You have to learn from both of these sites and then invent something yourself, how to integrate that into your software infrastructure. So my idea is to write material that is targeted to programmers, not necessarily closure programmers or Java programmers, but programmers. The books that just uh, fill this middle layer of these extreme points. And there are not many, or there are not such books at all, I'd say. So I think there is a space that could be filled. So my idea is to use Clojure, of course, because Clojure is so nice uh, since you can uh, provide small snippets that are executable, similarly to Python, but even better. But also you can do it in a proper software engineering way. That is, uh, Because if you're doing something in Python, if the library that you're using covers it, then you can use it. But if you have to implement something yourself, it's really difficult to do it in a performant way because you have to code lots of stuff in C or C++. Right. The similar problem is with R language. So these languages might be usable if you're an end user. So you have to you don't have to care about how it's implemented. So you you just call in a, a function or a procedure or whatever it's called in that language and it's there. 
But if you have to implement it yourself now, you have to know C, C++. You have a really convoluted building process. So it's not easy to do it. It's even uh, less easy to learn. So I think Clojure can provide a tool that is readable as Python is, or even more readable, but that also provides power and proper software engineering way of doing things. So my intention is to write a series of books. Currently, I, I'm thinking about four books. Uh, the first book is uh, Deep Learning for Programmers, the one that I've already announced, and the draft is available, and uh, people can subscribe to it today. The other book is uh, Linear Algebra for Programmers, which is complementary, of course. Mm -hmm. The third book is Interactive CUDA Programming. <laughs> and the fourth is Interactive OpenCL Programming. So now I'm, I'll stop and let you ask some questions because I've talked too much. So when you say uh, deep learning for programmers, is this approachable to someone who hasn't done closure before are they going to be able to use this to yeah they're gonna to have to learn closure but is that kind of the target audience i hope so yeah all of these books are targeted to general programmers and it's a topic that uh, i think should be utilized more in closure community so for example closure offers lots of nice stuff but usually when we talk about it we are uh, sometimes uh, as we are apologizing for using Clojure. That's something I picked up. So lots of people are saying, okay, I will use Clojure, sorry, or something like that. As if general audience would think that is something really difficult. Or So maybe that is a perception. But thing is, if you take most books that explain, or maybe I've convoluted it too much. Let's say that, in my opinion, most Clojure books today are about learning closure, which is nice and fine, and it's necessary. But what I think is missing is books that teach you other stuff and also use closure as a tool. So let's say something like learn databases, learn web programming, or learn game development, whatever. Right. The author is explaining some business domain or technical domain, and the closure is just uh, the best tool for the job. That's why I, I think is needed. Because most of the beginners uh, who would love to learn closure have challenge because closure books are only about closure. So you have to be concentrated to have a really good imagination to imagine what you could do with this stuff. And uh, if you don't already know the domain, it's difficult to imagine that stuff. For example, if I wanted to. Uh, to create a database-based application, which most applications today are. I already have to know how to program with databases, and then I can learn how to do it in Clojure. It's difficult to do it in Clojure the first time, because if you pick any book about databases, they will use Java or Python or Ruby or whatever, but it's difficult to find good Clojure book. So I think if we could provide good books or good learning materials about stuff that people are interested in, I hope some of these people will just say, okay, I've learned this stuff, but closure is really nice. I would also love to learn closure. This is like your sneaking linear algebra in with the... Yeah. 
So my, I hope to provide books for learning GPU programming and for learning deep learning and linear algebra. And I hope that I can make these books so good that uh, people would uh, learn Clojure, like it or not. Great. You said uh, before that people can subscribe to get this book. So what does that mean? What are people subscribing to? Yeah, now it's obvious that I love challenges. <laughs> so because I was in talks with one big publisher about these books and they loved it and, and everything. But their biggest concern was that I was trying to teach three difficult subjects at once, like CUDA and deep learning <laughs> and linear algebra and closure. That's four subjects, but whatever. So their biggest concern is, okay, it's uh, difficult enough to learn any of these subjects alone, but uh, you're trying to make them learn four things at once. So that's what they're concerned. But my thinking is different. Uh, I think these are pillars that support each other. I think actually that it's easier to learn bits when you combine these useful things into something that's even use more useful. So then I had to add the fifth difficult thing is this is how to buy my book. <laughs> Uh -huh. Because most people are used to, let's say, either to free books or to buy books. So you decide that you want this book and uh, there is a button that says buy. And you click it, uh, pay it, and the book is yours. Mm -hmm. And uh, coming from uh, a difficult country, the challenge for me is... Uh, most services where you can sell books don't support my country. So, uh. Or... For example, I could do it uh, using LeanPub, for example. But the problem is that they take too much commission and 20%, which is not much, but uh, they pay through PayPal. So then we come to the problem of double taxation because my country doesn't have a contract with the United States, treaty with, with United States about double taxation. So I would be double taxed. Ouch. So basically, if you paid 50 bucks for my book, I may receive 10 if I'm lucky with all the effort that I, I do. <laughs> so fortunately, Patreon is working well. So most of the money that you send me, will I will receive it, not any middleman or so. So then I had to invent a concept of subscribing to a book which is something that will be difficult to explain to people, but I hope that uh, I will be a pioneer <laughs> in this area. <laughs> so uh, the novel way of uh, selling a book is like enabling a subscription on a book. So you subscribe to a book on a Patreon and you get uh, the access to downloads and whatever. There is code samples, whatever I offer. And... Uh, while you are subscribed, you can download it. And when you're not subscribed, of course, you can keep it. So if you cancel your subscription, you keep whatever you got up to this point. So I've, I will have to think about uh, a bit more how to explain this best to people. But uh, another thing that I've noticed it is since because uh, this book has been available for a week now, and I can, I can tell you that enough people subscribed uh, to show me that this is feasible. Cool. That's excellent. So, so one point is uh, people are subscribing and uh, I invite you to subscribe and see what it's all about. <laughs> I mean, not you, but uh, your listeners. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. And so you've also used Patreon in another way, which I don't think I've seen anyone else do before, which is that you let people sponsor functions. Can you talk a bit about, about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Well, uh, maybe six, seven uh, months ago, I was uh, thinking about how to let people show their interest in these libraries and in my work. Because the thing is, uh, there are lots of problems with uh, funding open source. Because for the last 20 or 30 years, lots of uh, big companies was were sponsoring some of that stuff in their battle with Microsoft. But uh, now it's obvious that... Uh, like, uh, if you're not sponsored by Google or IBM or whatever, you're putting lots of effort and it's difficult to even get people to try uh, software for free because of all this availability and let alone to make it sustainable. So people started uh, thinking about this recently uh, more and there are some suggestions. And I will start thinking uh, because I can fund these libraries myself as I've been doing for the last four or five or six, seven years or whatever. But uh, as you know, because you're an open source developer yourself, sometimes you have to, like there is opportunity cost. You're thinking about, okay, should I take this uh, consulting work or should I uh, spend more time into commercial development instead of this stuff that I'm doing that is enjoyable, but uh, is really something that you sink your money into and you don't have to do it. Of course, we love to do it, so we will do it anyway, but uh, it's much easier if you can see uh, how people are using it, how people are valuing it, and really my experience up till now, because six months ago I opened uh, Patreon for donations, and one thing about uh, when I thought about this was, okay, how to make people notice it, because, okay, just say donate it, no one's going to donate it. So one idea was, okay, what can I offer people aside from from good software? And one idea was, okay, let's show some gratitude myself, some recognition that people contributed. And one of these stuff, okay, people may love uh, pets, so let's make functions pets. So let's uh, give people opportunity to have their own pets in my uh, library. And uh, so you can sponsor my libraries by like adopting a pet function. <laughs> and what what do I get if I adopt the function? Well, you get a function of your own and this function documentation will recognize that you're someone who cares about this pet <laughs> and who is uh, supporting these libraries and making them possible. I think people recognize this because uh, I've... Uh, of course, I uh, didn't get a million contributions, but uh, a considerable number of people uh, contributed something, uh, some amount to my Patreon campaign. And uh, some of these people adopted functions. And I think uh, it's something that uh, cannot be organized overnight, but I've seen uh, a good progression. So I think uh, by continuing uh, good work, uh, I will get uh, more people to participate. Because one of the biggest things is that lots of people don't have time to contribute to open source. Yeah. It's not that they would not want to or like to, but they don't have time. Or maybe they don't have uh, enough knowledge or experience. So I think it's important to give them the opportunity to participate by sponsoring our work. Because if I'm willing to give some of my time to open source, maybe I can give more or I can uh, like do it uh, a bit more seriously. 
And in my experience from people who contribute to my Patreon page, most of them are people that I would never dream of using my libraries. Some of them are not even closure programmers. <laughs> Some of them are not even programmers. And uh, most of them are not active uh, online on forums or Reddit or on, on Twitter or so because they don't have time or they don't want to, but they would like to help. So I think it's uh, really something that is not uh, obvious if you're just like thinking about, oh, who is likely to contribute to my campaign? There are lots of people that you never met that would like to help. <laughs> That's really great. I hadn't really thought about that angle. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Neither did I before I, I started doing this. So were there other things that you wanted to talk about? Mm -hmm. One thing that we all care about is uh, the health of closure community and whether there is uh, progress and how it all goes. And uh, lots of time uh, you can see people complaining that uh, the number of uh, like uh, posts is not increasing or the google trends is dec uh, the google search trends are decreasing about with closure or so but there is another angle to this it's that lots of communities are filled up with uh, less experienced people or younger people or just a newer language that are trending today so if you compare the online activity that's one thing, but uh, in closure community, there, there are lots of experienced people who don't have time to be active online on social networks or so. It's a good or bad thing, depends on how you look at it. But I think we have to be a bit more realistic. So lots of this activity that we are seeing uh, with other, language, uh, other languages, I think, there have some marketing background, maybe some... Uh, Companies are sponsoring things. Maybe lots of uh, younger people are, are which are uh, who are more uh, active uh, on social networks are posting something. But my uh, opinion is that closure is healthy enough. So if we can improve this by being more active online, that's good. And I would invite people to do this. But if not, I think that it's not nearly disastrous as are some people think. So I, in my opinion, closure is healthy enough and uh, we should uh, try to make it more approachable to other people. And uh, not in a sense that we will nag them to use closure, but to uh, provide materials and libraries so people can solve their real world problems with closure. Yeah, well, I've... so that's one thing. I think that you know, you've been doing a great job in that area. Well, I'm I'm trying to, uh, but uh, just small numbers, a small number of people is not enough to do this, uh, I think. For example, uh, in my case, I would love if people could share news from Clojure community in their online circles mm -hmm. or so, for example, or to participate more by asking questions or whatever they think they can contribute. It's a good thing. And even I would like if people could criticize my work more because <laughs> people in closure community are, are super friendly, which is nice. But uh, on the other hand, it uh, makes spotting rough spots a bit more difficult because people just don't want to uh, appear like negative or so. But in my case, I would invite you to whatever you think that I, I could do better or that is not... Uh, good enough please 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 tell me 
All right. Well, that's your invitation, everyone, to, yeah. to go nitpick. Yeah. Don't be afraid to nitpick. I would love if people would nitpick more regarding my work. And in that regard, I'm trying to provide something that uh, I hope would be useful for a broader programming community. And uh, I hope it will spread the work about Clojure more. So they would want to learn about uh, deep learning or linear algebra or GPU programming. And I hope to sneak some Clojure in it so they see how Clojure is useful. Cool. Well, thanks so much for talking with me and sharing you know, what you've been working on. I think you know, everyone really appreciates all of the work that you put in and especially the documentation that, you know, that's something that, you know, is often is a thankless task, uh, but is so important for helping people learn how to use these libraries. So you've done a great job writing you know, a lot of, lot of documentation there. Uh, so yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And uh, maybe I forgot that uh, we didn't mention uh, the web addresses where people can find my stuff. Yes. <laughs> but maybe it's best to leave this uh, for the end. So my blog, where you can find uh, lots of free articles about this stuff, is uh, uh, HTTP dragon.rocks. So dragon is uh, similar to dragon, but instead of O, it's A. So D-R-A-G-A-N dot rocks. And libraries themselves are available from uncomplicate.org or my GitHub organization are uncomplicate. Mm -hmm. And the most important uh, of all, because it's the the latest uh, addition, is AIProBook.com. So AIProBook.com. It's landing page for my books. Currently, there is only one book, Deep Learning for Programmers, that is as a, an early draft available for subscription. But uh, soon, in June, I will add another draft of uh, vectors, matrices, and linear algebra for programmers. And when these pick up some steam, then I will uh, add the interactive CUDA programming so we will see, maybe it will take me from, I think, six months to 12 months to finish the rough draft of Deep Learning for Programmers, which uh, I think is fast because usually it takes about two years since the book uh, is finished. But mm. I think I can do it a bit faster. So if uh, people subscribe more, I will be able to dedicate more time to writing this and uh, provide better material. Great. So there are some sample chapters at these websites. So there is the free material at dragon.rocks. There are sample chapters at AI Pro Books. So I I invite people to check these out and I hope that these will be useful as a book for learning broader topics whatever language, programming language you use, and especially if you use Clojure and Java. And also, I think, uh, good uh, learning materials if you already know Clojure, but you want to learn uh, some advanced uh, techniques uh, regarding uh, polymorphism and high-performance computing and uh, such stuff. So that's about it. Great. And your Patreon is Dragon Rocks as well. Yeah, it's 
Dragon Rocks uh, for the library donations. And also the book is, uh, you can subscribe to the books uh, on another another Patreon page. Mm-hmm. So there is a separate donation page and a separate book subscription page. And of course, if you want to contribute to both, it would be really <laughs> uh, fantastic for me and for these uh, books because it means that I will be able to spend more time working on that. Yeah. And if you can't, just uh, don't feel pressure. If you can't afford it, uh, just uh, I will write this no matter what. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. So I'll make sure that all of those links go in the show notes that people can click on them wherever they're listening from. And yeah, hopefully we can get some more functions sponsored or adopted. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. And uh, I hope I wasn't uh, boring too much and... uh, this talk uh, will provide some useful and listenable material. <laughs> yeah, no, this was great. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show, and I'll talk to you again soon. Okay, thank you for inviting me, and have a nice day.